Welcome to the online sermons at King Street Church. Feel free to listen or watch online at kingstreetchurch.com. We're located at 162 East King Street in the heart of Chambersburg, PA, and would love to see you in person at one of our five Sunday services at 8.15, 9.45, or 11 a.m. We certainly hope you enjoy this morning's message. The party's over. The music no longer playing, the candles have burned down, and a few leftover napkins and some trash are scattered on the floor. You've seen the last guest to the door, and clicking the latch after them, you take a deep breath as you turn to face the cleanup. There's no more laughter in the air, and you wonder, is this all there is? Maybe the next one will be the peak. The next elation will be higher. We live from one celebration to the next, but somehow it's never all we think it's going to be. The birthday party, the graduation party, the engagement party, the bachelor party. The world teaches us that we can't be satisfied until we hit the next milestone, and then the next after that. Nothing is ever enough. Someone once said all people live lives of quiet desperation, but desperation for what? It feels like we're on some kind of cosmic treadmill, reaching out for a dangling carrot that we'll never actually reach. But that feeling is not a mistake. It's not a conspiracy, not a trick. When we discover in ourselves longings that nothing in this world can satisfy, it means we were created for another world. When we feel unnameable desires that pierce our hearts and stir up something in us that we can't describe, it means everything is working exactly as God intended. We were made for joy and not the kind that passes when the party's over. Deep, abiding joy that isn't rooted in circumstances or accomplishments, but in the eternal assurance of participating in God's will on earth as it is in heaven. Joy is a surprise. It's always subverting worldly expectations. Joy is finding the king of the universe as a baby in a manger. This Christmas, through Jesus, we have joy. The Christmas, the Christmas season can bring about all kinds of feelings and emotions within us. Some find great joy in, in the holiday decorations and the lights. They find happiness in spending time with family and giving gifts to those that they love. They rejoice in remembering and celebrating the birth of Jesus, our Savior, our Messiah. For others, they love the thought and, and what Christmas truly represents and means, but the circumstances of life can threaten to overshadow that truth. We can become frustrated by the, the consumeristic society that we live in, or the reminder of our financial hardships where we can't give the gifts that we long to give. Or you might wish for a peaceful and joyous time together with family, yet you know the next time you get together with your family, there's going to be bickering and all kinds of trouble. Perhaps the Christmas season reminds us of those loved ones that have passed on and the longing to just spend another day with them. Our opening video said that joy is a surprise. And my hope is that this morning we would be encouraged. We would be encouraged and realize that 
no matter the circumstances of life, we can be surprised by joy. This Christmas, through Jesus, we have joy. December 23rd, 2004. Amy and I were living in Dayton, Ohio, and we were in the midst of a record-breaking snowstorm, the largest in 120 years. Something you should know about me is that I love snow. I absolutely love it. I love everything. Amen. <laughs> Some people view it as, oh no, it's snowing. I'm trapped inside my house. I can't do anything. I'm the person who's like, yes, it's snowing. Let's go outside. Let's have an adventure. I even love driving in the snow. In fact, Pastor Jay and myself, we pray regularly for snow. I realize that may be upsetting to some of you. We may have a prayer war going on. For me, the more snow, the better. Except for when your wife is very pregnant and due at any moment. Middle of the night, 2 a.m. Amy wakes me up. Babe, it's time to go. Oh, what? Oh, it's time to go. So I throw on my clothes, I get my snow stuff on, I trudge out into the overfoot of snow that we already have, and I think to myself, okay, I just need to shovel a path from the garage to the alley, I get a nice clear path, we'll, I'll get enough speed going that we'll be able to get going to the hospital. So I'm clearing away the snow, and once I think I have a good enough path cleared, the car is all warm, I go back into the house, get Amy and help her get out to the car. So we're backing out of our, our driveway into the alley, and we're stuck. I mean, we're really stuck. The car isn't going anywhere. We have to get out of the car, leave our car in the middle of the alley, go back in the house and call an ambulance to come take us to the hospital. The ambulance gets stuck on the way to our house. They have to send a fire truck along with this ambulance to help push the fire truck or push the ambulance in case it gets stuck again. This whole time I'm thinking, this snow is awesome. But please, Lord, let that baby stay inside until we get to the hospital. The ambulance finally arrives. We get all loaded up. We're on our way to the hospital and we're about to get off the highway and we have to cross over this huge bead of snow caused by the plows. And all of a sudden, the ambulance spins around a full 360-degree spin. It was exciting, to say the least. <laughs> Especially for Amy, who's in the back of the ambulance. Thankfully, we didn't hit anything. We were able to continue on safely, and we arrived at the hospital. What normally would take five minutes to drive to the hospital turned into about an hour-long adventure. And later that day, Micah entered the world. Needless to say, I had conflicting emotions about what was happening in my life on that day. Mary, the mother of Jesus, she found herself in a similar situation, not involving snow, I don't believe, but with conflicting emotions about the news that she had just been told. As we looked last week, in Luke 1:28, the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And telling her that although she was a virgin, she would give birth to a son who would be the savior of the world. On top of that, she's told that her older cousin, Elizabeth, who was thought to be barren, was actually in her sixth month of pregnancy. For nothing is impossible with God. 
So after the angel leaves, that's where we pick up our story this morning. In Luke 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 39, it says, At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. So let's go back and let's break down this story. I want you to try and put yourself in Mary's shoes for a moment. You just received the most shocking news of all time and from an angel no less. And he tells you, don't be afraid. Right. You're going to be pregnant while you're still a virgin. How can this be? This isn't possible. Mary's mind must have been whirling at a million miles a second. Everything in her life, everything she had hoped for, everything she dreamed of was about to come crashing down. Think of the mockery and the scorn that she would receive from family and friends and just onlookers when they found out that she was pregnant outside of wedlock. What would, what would her fiancé, Joseph, what would he do? She could be facing death. Outside of this magnificent promise that she would give birth to the long-awaited Messiah, there wasn't much to be joyful about. Human wisdom would say, your life is ruined. Yet somehow, Mary finds joy. My question is, how can we find joy like Mary in all circumstances? I think there's a few things we can learn from Mary. The first one is that she humbly believed and followed God. Mary's response to the angel of the Lord was this, I am the Lord's servant, may it be to me as you have said. One of the reasons I love this story is the fact that Mary was a young teenager. She was around the age of a ninth grade student. Her response to this shocking news is incredible. Mary had enormous faith in God and she followed him even when it didn't make sense, even when she really didn't have a whole lot of information. I love how young people are willing to do crazy, irrational things for God. Now, those of us that have matured in life, we realize that some of those crazy, irrational tendencies can also draw young people away from God. They can cause us to do uh, some things that get us in trouble. But on the flip side of that, many of us have, have strayed way too far over to the other side of being hyper-cautious of rarely taking risks for God because 
things, the, the plan isn't fully developed because things don't seem to make sense. Zechariah was a perfect example of this. He thinks he knows how the world works. He thinks he knows how God works. And so he questions the angel when the angel came to him. How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. My wife is well along in years. Zechariah didn't believe that his old, barren wife could ever have a child. I mean, who would? I'm sure this couple had prayed and prayed for years and years and years for a child. And at some point, they probably thought, well, God isn't going to answer our prayers in the way that we, we want Him to, the way that we had hoped for Him. And so they probably stopped praying. Zechariah had lots of life experience. He was a priest. And he thought he had figured out that the Lord just wasn't going to answer his prayer for a child. His question isn't out of seeking to understand and believe. Rather, it comes from doubting and his own reasoning. Essentially, he's saying, God, <laughs> that's a good one, God. Prove it. You ever do that as a kid? Your friend tells you something, this incredible thing that they can do. Like, they can do a standing backflip. And, and you're, they're talking a big game, and you're like, yeah, no way. If you try that, you're going to land on your head, and you're going to break your neck. So you say, prove it. And nine times out of ten, you're right. They can't do a backflip standing still. But then there's that one kid who's just waiting for you to say those two words. Prove it. So they're like, all right. And so they do a backflip. And you're like, what in the world just happened? How Your mind is blown. All right, ready? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll fall on my head and break my neck. Zachariah, he is that doubting friend who says, prove it. Well, God does prove it. And he teaches Zachariah a lesson he wouldn't soon forget. He says, Zachariah, you aren't going to be able to speak a word until after this child is born. And the women all said, Amen, praise Jesus, would you please shut my husband's mouth too. It's dangerous for us to think that we, we have everything figured out and to demand too much evidence before we believe what God is telling us. Mary, on the other hand, as a teenager, she asked a very similar question to Zachariah. When she received shocking news, humanly impossible news, but she asked with a very different tone, with a very different mindset. She says, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? She doesn't say, how can I be sure of this? Prove it. She obviously knows how babies are made, and she also knows, I haven't taken part in any of these activities. So she is genuinely confused. Her question is asked out of a heart of, of wanting to understand and believe something that doesn't make sense. God knows our heart, and He is never opposed to us humbly seeking to understand. And so Mary sets an example for us. She listens to the Lord. She humbly believes the Lord, and then she follows Him. She realized, I don't have to be in control of this situation because God's got it. I can trust that he will take care of me. So the angel leaves, and it says that Mary got ready and hurried. She quickly gathered up a few things, 
And then she almost immediately left to go visit Elizabeth. The journey would take her three or four days on foot. Mary undoubtedly was still trying to figure out what this message that she received from the angel meant. At the same time, she's excited for her cousin who is pregnant. Maybe she thought, if anyone will know what's going on, will understand, will believe me, it's Elizabeth. And so, so she leaves in a hurry. And when she arrives, she receives a greeting that would knock anybody's off their feet. Mary says hello, and Elizabeth responds like this, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. This greeting is very similar to the greeting Mary received from the angel, where the angel said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. On top of that, the fact that Elizabeth knows that Mary is pregnant is astonishing. By human standards, this is impossible. There are no outward visible signs that Mary is pregnant. She's not showing. Mary herself had only figured, found out a few days before. There were no phone calls. There were no text messages. There were no cute social media posts to reveal the exciting news. Elizabeth knew only because of the Holy Spirit. And it says that the baby inside of her leaped for joy. It's an incredible story. We don't know this for sure, but I would say it's plausible that Mary hadn't shared this news she received from the angel with anyone. I think she kept it a secret, knowing that if she would tell anyone, knowing it would bring all kinds of scorn and distrust from others, from her own fiancé, because they wouldn't believe. In light of that, imagine what this greeting from Elizabeth must have done for the strengthening of Mary's faith. She hadn't told anyone, and Elizabeth says, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child you will bear. The, re the original audience uh, probably heard this as, you are the most blessed of women. And this isn't said out of jealousy or in any uncertain way. She says it loudly, with excitement. You are the most blessed of women. And then she continues, but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Elizabeth humbly proclaims what the Holy Spirit tells her. And how about the reaction of the baby? Mothers know the feeling of the normal movements of a child inside of their womb. This is something different. He leaps for joy. I get this mental picture of Elizabeth's belly just going, whoa, whoa what was that? Through the Holy Spirit, this baby who we later know as John the Baptist, is already beginning his mission of proclaiming that Jesus is coming. Back in chapter 1, verse 15, the angel says to Zechariah that John would be filled with the Holy Spirit even inside of his mother's womb. I believe this is the fulfillment of that, of those words. John is leaping for joy in the presence of Christ. I love how one commentary states this, says this is the joy that everyone will have when the Messiah comes. And then in verse 45, Elizabeth affirms Mary's faith again. She says, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. How can we be joyful in all circumstances? Like Mary and Elizabeth, we humbly believe and follow God. And second, we glorify and praise the Lord. 
in verse 46, Mary begins what's called the Magnificat. Her desire is to magnify the Lord, not her own self. And the pulpit commentary of Luke says, it's a prayer, but it's the highest kind of prayer. For it asks for nothing. It simply breathes adoration and thankfulness. Some of your Bibles may include a, a little note uh, referencing Hannah's prayer that's found in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Hannah found herself in a similar situation to that of Elizabeth. She had a desire to have a child, but she was unable. And so she had begged and pleaded the Lord to give her a child, and he did. Samuel, her son, would go on to be one of the greatest leaders of Israel. He was a priest and a prophet for the people. Hannah's prayer begins like this in 1 Samuel 2. She says, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Perhaps Mary had reflected on Hannah's words during her three-day journey to visit Elizabeth. When Hannah, Hannah prays, her prayer is a shout of triumph over her enemies for receiving this long-awaited blessing. Mary's prayer, on the other hand, is a humble reflection of the praise of God that she is receiving a blessing in a way that she, she didn't desire. Mary recognizes her position in relation to God. She says that she is the Lord's humble servant. Mary didn't have an impressive resume, a whole list of reasons why she should be chosen to be the one to bear God's child. She didn't have any of that. Mary correctly states, you are my Savior and I am your humble servant. And so then she goes on to highlight God's power, His holiness, and His mercy as we look back at her words. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but He's lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but He's sent the rich away empty. He has helped His servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as He promised our ancestors. Mary not only retells what God has already done, but she also is foretelling what Jesus will do. Jesus' name is holy. He will display God's mercy and mighty deeds to the world. He'll, he'll show mercy by dying on the cross. He will heal the sick and the afflicted. He will humble the proud and he'll lift up those who are humble. He will satisfy the hungry. He will fulfill the promises that God has made to Israel and to the whole world. It's an incredible thought to think that Mary, the very child Mary was carrying inside of her, would one day die for her sins. That her own baby would be the one that she bows down to and worships. That he would be the one who she will humbly submit to as Lord of her life. She's grateful that God would choose to allow her to be such a significant part of his story. How can we find joy in all circumstances? 
we humbly believe and follow God. We glorify and praise the Lord. And third, we share our lives to bring joy to others. It would have been so easy for Mary, even natural, for Mary to reject what the Lord was telling her through the angel. Lord, I'm just a young teenager. Can't you find someone more suited to raise your own son? Or Lord, can we delay this a little bit? I'm, I'm kind of busy with wedding plans. Lord, if we just push this back a little bit and wait until after Joseph and I are married, things will go much smoother. People won't be questioning why I'm pregnant. She could have tried to hide what was going on inside of her body. She could have fell into depression or turned to anger at the thought of her, her life and her plans being ruined by this crazy announcement. However, she didn't do any of those things. She humbly put aside her plans that she had for life, and she followed the leading of the Lord. And immediately after receiving this life-altering news, she went off to rejoice with her cousin, Elizabeth. The text says that Mary spent three months with Elizabeth. This time of sharing life together, I'm sure, brought much joy to each of them. We also have to notice how Mary's simple yes of being used by God has brought joy into your life and to mine. Through the leading of the Holy Spirit, Mary recognizes, she says, from now on all generations will call me blessed. We can sing joy to the world as we did this morning because of Mary's yes, Lord. She allowed her life to be used by God, and as a result, it blesses all generations. She is known as blessed through all generations. We glorify and praise the Lord because of her yes, because of the work God did in her life. I'm not sure if you realize this or not, but all of these things are choices. Joy is a choice. Mary chose to humbly believe and follow God. She chose to believe that if this is what the Lord wants for me and for my life, then he will take care of all the details. He'll take care of all the things that threaten to overwhelm her mind. He is the one who's in control of the entire universe. So she chose to follow him. She also chose to glorify and praise God even in the midst of confusion. And she allowed her life to be shared with others to bring joy to all generations. Joy is available. God desires for you to be joyful. That's why he sent his son Jesus to this world. And if we know Christ, we can rejoice that our names are written in heaven. So I want to leave us with these questions this morning. How is God calling you to humbly believe and follow him? How will you glorify God in the midst of your current circumstances? It could be you're experiencing the best times of your life, or maybe you're experiencing the worst times of your life. How will you glorify him no matter the circumstances? And who do you need to reach out to and share the joy of Christ with? Will you choose joy? This Christmas, through Jesus, we have joy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you for your word. We praise you for your son and for Mary humbly saying, yes, Lord, I'll follow you. 
God, we thank you for her example, how she praises you even in the midst of, of chaos, of uncertainty, and that she chose to share her life with others so that we can experience joy. God, would you help us to have that joy this Christmas season, the joy that comes from knowing Christ, and help us to spread that joy to all around. It's in Christ's joyous name that we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this morning's message. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to contact us using our online form on our website at kingstreetchurch.com or by calling us here at 717-264-4651 during our regular business hours. Be sure to stop by and see us in person at one of our five Sunday morning services, 8.15 a.m., 2 at 9.45 a.m., as well as 2 at 11 a.m. We look forward to seeing you there.